In that day you looked to the weapons of the house of the forest, and you saw that the breaches of the city of David were many. You collected the waters of the lower pool, and you counted the houses of Jerusalem, and you broke down the houses to fortify the wall. You made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to him who did it, or see him who planned it long ago. Welcome to the Dominion Podcast. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Leeming. And I'm Alex. You're the beta host. I'm Jeremy Boyd's <laughs> understudy. <laughs> you know, I was uh, I was actually thinking today, Alex, you, you seem to have a thing for uh, having washed up musicians host your podcast <laughs> with you. Uh, does that make you feel more accomplished or something? Is that why you do that? Yeah, I always look for desperate people to boost my ego. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I believe this is the part where Jeremy usually says something funny and then tells you that you're supposed to say a word about our sponsors. <laughs> well, a word about our sponsors. You know what? Jeremy would probably say he's not washed up because he's totally not. But he is hitting his peak and finally functioning in the sphere that he loves the most. Yes. Which is the church. Yeah. But uh, Jeremy's got some tales from life on the road, that's for sure. That's true. Eating croquettes in a van down by the river in the Netherlands somewhere. Yep. Yep. Yeah. um, Our sponsor, well, as always, our unofficial official sponsor, Quartha Classical Christian School. You can check them out, QuarthaClassical.com. If you are looking for a solid Christian education uh, with a classical... uh, slant to it um, pedagogically, then check them out. And uh, the Lord's doing a great work there. The kids are all um, flourishing, frankly, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a lovely, happy place to be. If you want to learn more about Christian classical education, we've got some resources on the website that can help you um, better understand what we're about, what our priorities are, and our philosophy of education, and um, all of these things. com. And uh, always thank you to the Folklorist in the Upper 40 Studios. Mm-hmm. If you want to check out Folklorist music on YouTube, um, you know, I, he, re- he released a video a little while back there. So he's got some good tracks and he's always dropping more. He's always up to something, cooking something in the kitchen. Yep. yep. So thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. So this week, I wanted to follow up. It was actually great timing because you wrote an article for Dominion. Um, if you don't, you should subscribe to Dominion Press. Mm-hmm. Free subscription. All of our resources are free. Um, but Jacob writes a column for us weekly. And uh, this week you wrote on Christless conservatism. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I want to make a point of application from that article to the recent announcement of Danielle Smith, the premier of Alberta, um, which a lot of conservatives, if not most, are hailing as, uh, you know, this brilliant move, and not to deny the fact, and, and, and she is taking a lot of heat for it, that it did require a level of courage in today's climate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went and listened, and we listened to her announcement, and it is just an absolute fail. Mm-hmm. And on on every single level, yeah, and I think really <laughs> illustrates the principles that you were trying to highlight from Scripture of just the vanity and the futility of seeking national renewal 
like individual renewal, mm-hmm. whatever, apart from Christ. So why don't why don't you just briefly you read the text from yeah. Isaiah, but like what was your thesis? What was the idea you were getting at in yeah. that article? Yeah, I mean, it kind of it it kind of the backdrop to all of this is the fact that uh just in recent weeks there's been what what seems to be kind of a groundswell of conservative sort of resurgence mm-hmm. in Canada, particularly out west, right? We had Tucker Carlson come up from the States and he was doing a number of talks out in Alberta. And there was a lot of excitement about, mm-hmm. about all of this. Um, and it was, it was good to see Tucker, uh, did a great job in his speeches. I listened to both of them of just highlighting a lot of the issues that we're facing as Canadians. Um, however, I just had this sense as I was kind of, um, watching the excitement grow that, uh, it's very easy to get sort of uh, thrilled about these sorts of movements, but at the same time, if there's no if there's no roots that go down deeper than just kind of uh, dunking on on liberals, yeah. right? <laughs> then uh, it's not it's not sustainable, and ultimately, yeah. it's not pleasing to God either. And so, I was reading through Isaiah, and I came to this this chapter where Isaiah kind of confronts similar issues in his day, where he he warns the people about this coming judgment. Uh, Jerusalem one day is going to come under judgment, and in that day he describes their response to to God's judgment on them. And what they do essentially is they run around and they look for every means of defense except turning to the Lord for salvation, <laughs> right? So he talks about how they, you know, they they run around fortifying the walls and they redirect the cisterns and make sure that they've got a good water supply, mm. but they did not look to him who did it or see him who planned it mm. long ago and. Um, and therefore the Lord was, was not pleased with them and, and, and they weren't doing anything to actually avoid judgment. They, the security they thought they were gaining, yeah, the the security they thought they were gaining from those things was actually a false security, uh, because there is only one way of salvation and it's through repentance and it's through, it's through confessing our sins and seeking refuge in God, making the most high our refuge. Mm -hmm. And unless we get to that place as... Um, as Canadians, it's like we we're not going to see uh, an end to mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking about and what I was trying to apply um, from that passage in Isaiah this week. That's great, and it's I mean it's so true. It's true of us on an individual level too, yes. right? Yeah. That it's wake up in the morning and how what am I going to do to be productive? What am I going to do to be better? Yeah. What am I going to do to grow and to overcome these challenges and obstacles? And it's easy to start digging cisterns and building walls yeah. and not consulting with the living God. Yeah. It, it, it's just easier. And um, that's just unbelief. Yes. Yeah. And so if, if we're capable of this at an individual level, I mean, surely we're capable of this corporately. Yeah. And uh, I think you're right that it is a temptation because there is a conservative renewal in Canada. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of encouragingly, you know, in some ways, Canada is, uh, in at least in the rural aspect of Canada, conservative. Yep. Like, when, when I say Canada, I don't mean everyone is. I just mean the people that reflect what we think of as Canadian Mm-hmm. people and Canadian values, mm-hmm. those are conservatives. Yep. The progressives are leeches and parasites who latch on to that. Yep. 
and they have an inordinate amount of power and influence and kind of cultural volume because of the institutions that they are in charge of. But as far as what you, even you grew up with, mm-hmm. um, you're in your twenties, I'm, I'm 37. Like they don't reflect, they don't reflect Canada mm-hmm. uh, in, in one real sense. But the danger is in this kind of conservative resurgence is that this just becomes a building the walls and digging our cisterns. Yeah. And people are so happy that, you know, the wall's going up yeah. and we're going to really show those Assyrians. And, yes. And it's like the story of scripture again and again and again is about how those kinds of arrogant, vain, unbelieving plans fall. Yeah. And so if you haven't read it, check it out. Um, it's really well thought out. Pass it along to your friends and family. And I'm sure you've talked to people who are, you know, really excited about Pierre Polyev and really excited to see the polling numbers and mm-hmm. and just Trudeau tanking. But God is not mocked. Like, if, if Polyev gets in, if it's a free and fair election, he will. I'm not holding my breath for that. But if it is, he mm-hmm. will. But... Things won't get better because God is not without repentance. Yeah, yeah. Like God's not going to say, I am the savior of the world and you must worship me in spirit and truth. But if you don't, that's fine. You're still going to flourish. Yeah. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not that those things necessarily are bad in and of themselves either, right? It's like seeking for cultural reform is a good thing and and legislating good laws for the protection and, and preservation of justice is a good thing. But uh, what is driving that? Yeah, right? it's like is is faith in the risen Christ the engine that's pushing that along? Yeah, um, because if it's not, then then that's when those things become futile. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we if we repent and we trust the Lord, and then we set our hand to the plow and begin to engage in those kinds of works, um, those are are works that the Lord loves to bless. Mm-hmm. And I I think why don't we hop to a discussion about Daniel Smith, because this yeah. is, I think, the day you drop the article or the day after, um, Danielle Smith, the premier of Alberta, made an announcement about some legal changes they were making in Alberta, uh, supposedly to protect some minors, which it looks like it does, mm-hmm. from barbaric uh, surgeries yeah. and mutilation. Um, but I, but at the same time, let's in the Trojan horse, so to speak. I mean, she, she, we just watched this again. She basically affirms gender ideology, which is the anti-truth. It's the Mm anti-reason. And I think that while there's some good that can immediately come of this, like some protections for children, Mm -hmm. in the long run, this is going to be really bad, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe just a couple of points from the video. Like you mentioned, one commentator was talking about how it reflects 1984, like gender ideology yeah. is straight out of 1984. Yeah, trans ideology is, it's similar to, you know, that scene in, at the end of 1984 where O'Brien is trying to force Winston to say that he's holding up four fingers, but it's actually five. Yeah. And that's what is going on. That same kind of dynamic is what's happening with trans ideology, right? It's like, you're looking at someone who you know to be a man, Yeah. but you're being forced to say that it's a woman. Yes. Right. It's the same kind of power dynamic that's kind of at play there. It's a compelled lie. Yes. And it's a lie to bolster one's power. Yeah. 
and uh, we'll get to that. So a couple points going through the video. I mean, the first thing is Danielle Smith opens this with an appeal to kindness and compassion and the desire to avoid discrimination for those with gender identity issues. But the problem, this is like pure leftist talk. It's, it's commandeering language and then importing them with your own meaning mm -hmm. to virtue signal. So it's like, okay, yes, we want to be kind and compassionate, but what does that look like? And for the left and for the trans activists and the psychopaths, kindness and compassion literally means committing violence against children. Mm -hmm. It means lying to children to um, groom children, to terrorize children, to scare children, to compel children, to trick children into permanent mutilated, mutilation to their bodies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, they call that compassion. Yeah. So, yes, we want to be kind and compassionate to the children, but if that's what you mean... We don't want that. And then she says to avoid discrimination. But like, what do you mean discrimination? Mm -hmm. Because discrimination today means you need to affirm what I say reality is. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, um, what if I think that the sky is blue and you think it's purple? Like, to to affirm the truth is to discriminate against a lie. Yes. Yeah. And to affirm what is good is to discriminate against what is evil. So all moral and truthful living involves, by definition, discrimination. So when we just say, don't discriminate, as if it is a standalone virtue, all that is is a power play to crush positions that we don't like and to say, you're discriminating when we don't like it. And ironically, to employ discrimination against someone <laughs> in, in, while condemning mm -hmm. them for being discriminatory. So this this is how she opened. Um, then she actually went on in a variety of ways to basically affirm the fundamental tenets of gender ideology, trans ideology specifically. Mm -hmm. um, this is a this is an enormous misstep, and for a number of reasons. But trans ideology, as you said is like saying, I'm holding up five fingers and you need to tell me it's four. Mm -hmm. It is a, an assault on reality. It's actually an intentional raging against reality. Mm -hmm. Like the point is to get you to say a lie. And the point for the individuals um, who are enslaved to this is to be gods, is to say, I am not bound by any limits mm -hmm. of of being a creature. I am not bound even by um, the limits of my biology. My words, not God, create reality. Mm -hmm. And it's a dark and twisted ideology that is, that is fundamentally untrue. Mm -hmm. And so while Danielle Smith should be commended for giving legal protection against barbarism mm -hmm. of minors, um, affirming the very principles that led to that kind of insanity is a huge misstep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way, the way I was kind of thinking about it today, um, an analogy that popped into my head was that it's like 
uh, trying to negotiate a truce with a wolf that lives in your house. Yes. <laughs> right. And it's like, uh, okay, well, from now on, you're not allowed in the nursery anymore. Yeah. And, you know, and then everybody starts celebrating that. Oh, isn't it amazing that the, the wolf isn't allowed in the nursery anymore? And it's like, yeah, but you gave it the whole house. other ho- half of the house, yes. right? It's, it's like, it's not really a victory. It's no. not really a success. And, and praise God that, you know, hopefully there will be some families and children that actually will be preserved from the misery of, of yeah. this kind of stuff through this. But um, to celebrate it as this great victory for, for liberty and justice just doesn't, uh, it doesn't follow. No, no, because liberty and justice are built on the truth. Yes. And if you don't know the truth, you have nothing. You have nothing. As soon as you live by a lie, nothing else follows. Mm-hmm. It's just completely arbitrary. Um, you know, like one problem here, you're saying you're affirming a lie, but then you're going to say, we're going to have age limits to this. It's like, hold on a second. So a a guy can literally be a girl if he just thinks so. Mm -hmm. Why, why would you be so bigoted to think that he's 16? Why can't he be whatever he wants to be? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, everyone knows that age is tied to, excuse me? Age isn't tied to your external socially constructed value system built uh, that's based on the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Like age is a construct, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm as old as I think I am. Like you're, you're contradicting yourself. As soon as you give into these lies, you're mm-hmm. saying you're allowed to believe that you're a fairy or a goldfish, but you're not allowed to believe you're a different age than you are. And then the question is, and, and like, I don't think you should be allowed to say you're something other than what you are, but you actually do. Mm-hmm. You're saying that you are allowed to say you're something other than what you are, and for that to be true mm-hmm. of you. Mm-hmm. But then why isn't that true of age? Mm-hmm. And this this whole thing just rationally falls apart. Yeah, it, it was interesting. She seemed to kind of pigeonhole herself at one point kind of halfway through where she begins to talk about making a third category of sports for transgender people uh, and, well she's specifically talking about transgender women is the term that she uses and so it's like well wait a second you spent the whole first half of your announcement uh accepting the legitimacy of quote-unquote transgender women but now you're saying that we need a third category to differentiate them from real women. Yes. Right? But it's like, well, well, which is it though? Because you're wanting to say on the one hand that no, they are real women. Yes. But then you're acknowledging that there's actually physical realities that we need to contend with um, that require us to make a whole separate category yes. of sports for these people. Yeah. Right. And so even, yeah, even in her own announcement, it was like, you could see sort of the inconsistency. The inconsistency. Exactly. It's like, so at what point does physical reality cor- does truth re- correspond to physical reality? Mm-hmm. And at what point can it just be untethered from that? And it's just completely arbitrary. It's like, well, when I decide, when I decide it is. Yeah. Um, the other thing she said, it, yeah, again, there's just no standards. The number of boys competing in against girls is too high or the number of trans girls competing with girls is too high. It's like your only reason for not allowing this was there's too many, not it's actually wrong. Yeah. So like, what if my daughter's out there and some guy's got 50 pounds on her knocks her out on, you know, the rugby pitch 
is that morally wrong or not morally wrong? Mm-hmm. And is it only morally wrong the fifth time that it happens? And if it's a fifth time and not the fourth time, where is that law written in the universe? You just have to make up rules. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is like completely arbitrary. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my first point in a why we need to reject a Christless conservatism because there is there is literally no objective standard for truth and morality. Yeah. There is none. Not I'm a social conservative and I have different values than you and I don't like yours. I mean, unless you confess Christ as Lord, you do not rationally have any basis for truth and for justice. Mm-hmm. None. All you have is your opinions and your perspectives and your desires, which you either impose on other people as a bigot or you keep to yourself. But you do not have any objective standard to appeal to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this this kind of word salad that came out of Danielle Smith just highlights all of these arbitrary rules yeah. that come out. Yeah, and uh, to your point about uh, how apart from the triune God, you have no way to ground moral claims in a transcendent basis. You, you see that uh, kind of across the board in a lot of popular conservatism today, right? Mm-hmm. You've, I've seen it in um, kind of in the Daily Wire crowd when they've, they've got into these sorts of discussions about sort of trans ideology and this kind of stuff. And so like Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman?, mm-hmm. Right, that that was a great documentary all the way through, and then totally flopped at the end when he actually went to define what a woman was. Right, and his definition, I think, yeah. was a biological female. Not, you know, he didn't appeal to scripture. He didn't yeah. appeal to the authority of the Christian worldview to rev- revelation from God. And so then he just, like you said, he just pitted his opinion against the opinion of the left. Yeah, and and it just it totally. Um, then it just becomes well, it's our word against yours, right? So yeah. you just start playing their game. Yeah. So, and his opinion happens to correspond with reality. Yes. So there's a weight to it that people made in the image of God and have a conscience that God's given can hear that and say, well, yes, that's true. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's like, but how do you know that? And the only way you can have, you know, epistemic certainty is through revelation. Mm-hmm. That is, that is the only way. So, so yeah, so what could what what is conservatism apart from Christ? All this is, and this has been my whole life. There's no actual principle. Principled conservatism. Let's let's find those guys, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's a good slogan. Their only principle is to be somewhat to the right of whatever the left is. Yes. And the thing is, you can make an entire career firing out emails. Did you hear what the liberals did? put your name on my email list and donate five bucks and we'll fight this. (laughs) You can have a thriving career and have absolutely no principles. Mm -hmm. Your only principle is be to the right of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, Doug Wilson has a quote to the effect of that uh, the, the left wants to drive towards the cliff at 100 kilometers an hour, and the right wants to slow down to 80. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not tethered to anything objective, you're just you're completely... Um, the only thing they're tethered to is actually the left, mm-hmm. ironically, mm-hmm. because they're just saying, if you're saying the only thing determining what is right and true 
is, you know, some distance from those guys, then they are your compass point, mm-hmm. right? And um, then you get then you get this middle ground ethics. It's like, well, what if I don't want a middle ground between the commies and the Nazis? Mm-hmm. What if I don't want to blend those two together? Mm-hmm. What if I just want something different? What if I think both of those are evil? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, the middle ground is not a righteous position then. Mm-hmm. So that's all we get. It's like, I'll be to the right of the liberals and I'll try to find common ground and this type of thing. Yeah. That's what you get with Danielle Smith's speech. Yeah. And here's the other thing. When you do that, because you're not tethered to something above you, you keep going left. Yes. Yeah. So you can be to the right of left, even if left is going a thousand miles an hour left. Yeah. As long as you're to the right of it, you can be going a thousand miles an hour yes. too. Yeah. So here we have a conservative libertarian standing up and affirming that boys can be dogs, you know, yeah. with a straight face. It's like, how did we get here? We got here because conservatives abandoned Christ and they abandoned any objective moral principles forever ago. And she is exactly what you get. Mm-hmm. Someone who is a, a little bit over here on there. It's like the conservatives are the people who hop on the crazy train and start walking in the other direction while they're on the train going that way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It's just like eight hours later, we're a thousand miles over here. And they're like, no, we're looking in that direction. Yeah. It's like, dude. And you, you felt the entire time like you were opposing those guys. Yes. Right. And it's like, but in reality, you were trucking right along with them. Trucking right along. So a Christless conservatism is a dead end because there's no objective moral principles. Um, and this, this is devastating. Um, the other thing that people don't realize, and kind of the irony, is that a, uh, a, a life with no objective moral principles reduces you to a bigot. And conservatives are so scared of being called a bigot, and that's a word that gets thrown around, or actually... It used to a lot more when I was growing up. I haven't heard it in a while. I haven't been called a bigot in a while, Jacob. (laughs) But uh, kind of the term was thrown for people who have certain certain perspectives on social issues. So if you think that being gay is being uh, homosexual is a sin, Mm -hmm. you think that you know gay marriage isn't really gay marriage. um, If you think that like these types of things. you are referred to as a bigot by definition. This is a this is a misunderstanding about the nature of bigotry. A bigot is not someone who is a bigot on the basis of their particular position, but for the reason that they hold their position. The reason someone holds a position is what makes them a bigot. And a bigot is someone who irrationally and without basis holds to their position. Mm-hmm. So you think about the racist, you know, who looks at someone of a different color, knows nothing about them, has no rational basis whatsoever to go on to be suspicious of this person, but purely because of their own irrational preconceived notions, condemns and judges them. That's mm-hmm. bigotry. Mm-hmm. Um, because it because it is irrational and the and the moral arbiter is your own perspective. And your own preferences and what you're used to. Yeah. That's a bigot. Yeah. 
me saying that the Word of God tells me that He created us in His image, male and female, He created them, and that marriage is between one man and one woman, that's not that doesn't make me a bigot. You can say that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You can say I don't believe that. You can say that's a fairy tale. I'm not bigoted for believing that. That's the wrong term here. But the irony is, when you actually have no more no basis for your morality, all you're left with is your perspectives. All you're left is with your um, your own interests and uh, preferences. Yeah. And if you make your moral decisions on your preferences and your perspectives, and you judge other people by those, you are a bigot. So the irony is that when you reject Christ and your attempt to appease everyone, you actually become a bigot. Mm-hmm. And this is what the left is, because the left is explicitly antichrist. And they, I mean, they're in a they're in a they're in an open war against the Son of God and against all of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, they are by definition bigots. Like there's no basis for their morality. Yeah. It's just them, yeah. just their preferences and their sinful and sick desires. Yeah. But people don't realize that a Christless conservatism falls into the same trap. Yeah, it puts us in the same position. Um, and you see this, you see this arbitrariness in the conservatives when like you get the classic Rogan thing where it's like, yeah, it's wrong what Trudeau did to the truckers, but it's like, eh, if you want to be a tranny, it's all good. And dudes can marry dudes. It's like, on what grounds? Mm-hmm. Like, explain to me what makes something morally right. Mm-hmm. And are there consenting adults? Like you see these like kind of red pill people who they get to a point and they can acknowledge mutilating kids is wrong. Mm -hmm. But then when you get back to some other issues, they just reassert their arbitrariness. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm cool with that. I'm an open-minded guy. I'm cool. But this is too far. Yes. You see that all the time. Yeah. It's like I, I I used to I used to live in LA and I used to vote Democrat. Then they just went too far, and it's like everyone cheers and claps, and it's like, oh, Bill Mayer's on our side, and mm-hmm. dude, that guy's a disgusting, creepy bigot. That's what he is. Like full stop. He can't have a rational conversation about religion about scripture about morality as soon as someone pushes on him something he doesn't like he just gets condescending and he employs rhetoric this guy is not a principled man mm-hmm. and so many people on that side are like that it's just completely arbitrary ethics mm-hmm. and there's there's no there's absolutely um no reason to think that things are going to get better that way mm-hmm. It's like Danielle Smith, we're going to stop at 16. Why? You know what I mean? Yeah. On what legal basis? On what moral basis are you doing that? Yeah. Um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote a lot about what it is to live under totalitarian government um, in the Gulag Archipelago. And one of the, I think, major contributions that he had in explaining the nature of what it is to live under communism um, and how to avoid that is his 
understanding of the nature of lies to totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. And he was convinced that uh, the main problem or the main, not to say the main problem, how do you say it's the one of the main catastrophes of the Soviet Union is that it they the commies compelled people to become liars, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to say and to do things they knew not to be true. Yeah, and and that that was actually the thing that propped up the Soviet Union. Yes, like it, that was the thing that it depended on for its continued continued existence. Yes, and the moment that that stopped, the moment that uh, the average ordinary person sort of you know was willing to. Um, tell the truth. Yes, uh, the whole illusion went away, and it lost all its power. All its power. But it depended on everyone being willing to go along with lies and to tell lies. Yes, and that's what this trans ideology is. That's why there's so much backlash in the news the next day because they, they it's not necessarily conscious, but the you know the demon possessed progressives. Um, need the lie to stand mm -hmm. like they they cannot let there can't be cracks in the lie mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and i think that this is what you get in a christless conservatism is she's up there defending lies like she's saying lies like you're using mm -hmm. you know this isn't true and i i think she personally she knows their lies she knows that just because a guy feels a certain way doesn't make him not a guy. Mm -hmm. And once you start making those concessions in your mind and you start telling those lies, like you don't come back from that. Mm -hmm. And so I guess maybe the practical application is like Christians especially should not applaud people for telling lies. And I mean, I, I've told this story before, but I remember having an experience like viscerally um, the very first Sunday that the place we were meeting for church, we showed up to church and they said they had a sign on the window said there was a mask mandate in place. Mm -hmm. And this is at the beginning before like people forget that they escalated things intentionally. Yes. But they started soft. Oh, it was it was like six months before masks actually were implemented here in Peterborough. Yes. Yeah. Like it was a long time. And you could go to, to restaurants it. and it was yeah. kind of like can you wear one, please? And then you could take it off and you sit down. And yeah. the first time I ever wore one was we were caught by surprise. Our landlord didn't even tell us. Good guy. And um, we're like, okay. So I went home and got one. At this point, I didn't really, I don't know what I thought about it. I, I knew enough to know that these are not effective. Mm -hmm. And, but I didn't have strong enough opinions because one, I didn't know what they were going to do with it. Like a lot of my views on masks changed when I realized that it was compelled behavior to force totalitarianism. Yeah. And I didn't want to participate in that. Yeah. For me, it was it, when it when it felt like putting on a jersey before walking out yeah. the door, that was when I knew I can't wear this thing anymore. Yes. Yeah. Whose team are you on? Yeah. So I put one on. I remember walking in before the service, we had prayer. You walk through the lobby, you go to this room, we have prayer. And I wore it in, then took it off. And it's the stupidest thing, right? You have to wear it through this empty open space, and then you can take it off. And then you put it on to walk 30 feet. Anyways, I go home, I pick up the family, I come back to church. And we're walking into church, and there's people who are going to be walking in the doorway at the same time as we are. Mm -hmm. 
And I go to put on my mask and I realize to put on my mask, and I felt it because they were there. Mm-hmm. I, I was aware of the shame, would be to lie. Mm-hmm. Like, and I realized if I put this on, I don't think it works. And I don't think I'm actually acting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a hypocrite is like literally someone in a Greek play wears a mask. Yes. Yeah. Like it was like a, a, a like a visible embodiment of that. Yeah. And I, it came out of nowhere because I didn't feel it in the morning, but it was when people saw me and it wasn't embarrassed because just something's on my face. It was like deeper than that. It was mm-hmm. morally like, don't be a liar. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had a decision to make and I chose not to put it on. And um, I just felt like I had won a major moral battle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no one else would have noticed what happened. Yeah. But it, I always remember that moment, and I wonder, I've had the thought, honestly, hundreds of times, what would my life have been like the next three years if I had put it on? Mm-hmm. And I, I sincerely wonder if I would have come back from that. Yeah, because we don't know where the little compromises are going to take us. Yeah. Right? It's like you you know, you know, make a concession here, and you make a concession there, and then... Um, a few months goes by and suddenly you're 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 doing things that you imagined yourself resisting yes. months before but it's like this little trail of compromises that you've made over the last weeks and months and years that then become a part of your character and your moral reasoning and all of this kind of stuff so it's like yeah we we don't know where that road is going to go and that's why like you've said before on the podcast it's like it's important to win those little battles mm-hmm. and, and not be willing to yield an inch and not tell yourself that, oh, it's just a small thing, mm-hmm. right? There are there are no small things. Mm-hmm. It all matters. Mm-hmm. So Christians need to stop accepting and telling lies, and we need to not be supporting people who tell lies, and um, we need to remind them that a lie is never good. Like... Mm-hmm. I'm glad you protect 16-year-olds, but you need to stop lying. Like, our line is not, we're at least we're doing better than the other guys. Like, no, a lie undoes the world, mm-hmm. and it's going to have consequences. Like, that's why we're a culture that kills its babies, you know? And, um, yeah, I think you were even describing recently, like, things that doctors said, like, so casually, like we can kill your child in mm-hmm. utero, and it's like what? It's like that's just straight Nazi mm-hmm. doctor mm-hmm. garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the way you get there is you make a thousand decisions to lie. Yeah. And then you no longer you don't even know what's going on. Um, another game that the the Christless conservatives need to stop playing, and we need to not play as Christians is Marxist morality. And this is where you define the world. Peterson had a brilliant quote this week. <laughs> Man, that guy could be savage, dude. I, I get so much delight in his like moral outrage. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. He called it a, an idiot equation for reality. <laughs> like basically you, you come up with this victim oppressor idea, right? that you all of a sudden see the world through this lens and it's divided into victims and oppressors. And um, the victims are inherently righteous and the oppressors are inherently wicked. It was insane to um, 
hear on the news the next day and read online, did people come out to a against Premier Smith, who was saying we shouldn't chemically castrate and mutilate children? Mm-hmm. And she affirmed a whole lot that they wanted. Like she was on their team for a lot of it. The one difference was we shouldn't castrate and mutilate and commit serious crimes against children and violence. Mm-hmm. And they came out and tried to position themselves as the benevolent heroes and defenders of the weak because they think it's okay to commit violence mm-hmm. against children. And they tried to posture themselves. They tried to cast the children who wouldn't be allowed to be butchered by adults as victims. Mm-hmm. Not victims because of being butchered, but victims because they weren't now legally able to be butchered Mm -hmm. by sadistic adults. It's like, this is what Isaiah is saying. Woe to you call good evil and evil good. Who put light for darkness. It's it's like, it's the anti-truth. Yeah. Right? It's like when when it is violent to not be violent against children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's actually to go to the Isaiah passage. It's like that's the other the other part of it is that he opens that section by saying that this is an oracle for the Valley of Vision. Yeah, and that's an ironic title because uh, Judea at that point is anything but clear sighted, right? It's mm-hmm. like that's that's the whole point is they're not seeing clearly. Uh, they are just as wrapped up in idolatry as all the other nations. They are just as blind to reality, despite having so much exposure to the light of the Word of God. They are stone blind uh, to their their moral condition. And so Isaiah then ironically refers to them as the Valley of Vision. Yeah, And I, that was another thing I was thinking about, is the way that um, they're able to see the the some of the problems that are confronting them, right? It's like they know enough to see that, oh, there's an army at the gates and we need to defend ourselves. Um, but they don't have the first clue about what the actual answer is. Right. And 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 this is this is uh conservatism without Christ, right? It's like you're able to see some of the problems. Uh, you're able to at least say that butchering children is not a good thing. And mm-hmm. bravo, good good for you that your your moral conscience is is able to detect at least that. But um but you have you don't have the first idea about what how to actually address it. No. You know another psycho thing she said? I'm just remembering when she said, now, if parents reject or abuse trans kids, they're going to get Child Protective Services involved. It's like, sorry, you just equated reject and abuse. Do you mean to say that a parent who tells his seven-year-old boy who was told by his groomer creep teacher that he's a little girl, you correct him and say, no, you're not. Is that rejecting your Mm -hmm. child? Because that's the language of the left. Mm -hmm. The left says, unless you affirm everything I think and believe, you're rejecting me. When they say transgenocide, no one's killing trans people. Mm -hmm. What they mean is you're not accepting their identity. And they equate that with the Holocaust because they're so narcissistic. So do you mean to say that it is literal abuse to not lie to your children? To not actually affirm harmful things to your children, 
you're saying that now your children are in the position where they rule the home and govern the home as mm-hmm. children? Like, I don't know how many people missed that. She actually said reject or abuse. So if by reject you mean you literally absolve yourself of all parental duties to protect and to provide and to care for, you know, and you you put your kid outside in wintertime and they're going to starve otherwise, it's like, yes, other people, not the government, other neighbors, we used to live in a kind of place that cared for one another, mm-hmm. should reach out and step in and care for them, of course. But if what you mean is a parent won't affirm sadistic lies, then you're going to actually get the state involved? It's like, yeah, we're going to need some clarification on that. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I see this as like, this is the crisis point. And yeah, like this is, it's so demonic, eh? How they go after kids, too. Mm-hmm. And anyways, the other observation I want to make about Christless conservatism is it doesn't conserve anything. <laughs> it's like, good <laughs> gracious. All it is is a delaying of decay. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. When you're not tethered to the Lord Jesus Christ and you have no objective standard for what is true and no objective standard for what is right— and all you are doing is trying to be a little to the right of those guys, all you're doing at best is slowing down the drift in that in that way. Yeah. And you might even say, forget, like you might disagree with everything I've just said so far. That's cool. What you need to agree with me on, add on its face, is you're not conserving. That isn't by definition conserving. That's delaying decay. Mm-hmm. Conserving is, I'm going to stand here, and I'm not going to move. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. And I don't, I don't, I can count on one hand, the conservative politicians who are actually like that. Yeah, yeah. Conservatism in and of itself is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, right? it 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 depends entirely upon what it is you are conserving. Yes. <laughs> what is it that you are standing on? What yeah. is it that you are insisting that we we cannot let this go? Yeah. Right? That's what actually makes conservatism a virtue. Mm-hmm. Um but it very well might be a vice if you're <laughs> if you're trying to conserve something that Yeah, if it's 1946 and you're trying to conserve fascism or if it's yeah. you know 1991 and you're trying to conserve communism yeah it's like you're you are technically a conservative but it's not a just and moral one yeah yeah so so that's the second point you're making that's true it's like conserving isn't inherently good but we're to the place that these people don't even know what they're not conserving anything mm-hmm. they there's nothing that the conservatives won't cave on and that's so what I'm trying to maybe my plea for Christians to recognize is when you allow for a Christless conservatism, you lose the things you're trying to conserve. Like yes. eventually they're gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Obama, when he was running the first time, had to affirm a biblical view of marriage. Yep. Now things have changed so much that to affirm a biblical view of marriage is controversial. But at the time, the Democrat had to affirm a traditional, rational view of marriage yeah. in order to be accepted. Well, look how much has changed. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of like just look where unbelief goes, right? It's like the the Owen quote that we always talk about is is sin always wants to go to the uttermost. Yeah. Right. And and it's like that's actually really the the thing that is um underneath all of this, right? It's like um it, it's not it's not it, it's politics is where this is being expressed and it's mm-hmm. the arena that this whole debate is is happening in because that's where people think that the seat of power is, but the fundamental issues here are yes. always sin and rebellion against God, right? Being being slaves to sin and being led, enslaved to your passions and your desires and your rebellion and your rage against your creator. It's like, that's really the thing that's, that's driving this. Um, and if conservatives don't remember that, if conservatives don't remember that we are, we are fallen and we're depraved creatures, um, and therefore, we run headlong into into these sorts of things. Um, or you say, "This is a that's a very important point, Jacob." That unbelief always keeps going. Yes, that sin, the wages of sin is death, and sin always wants to go there. Lust always wants to go to a, adultery. Mm-hmm. Anger always wants to go to murder. It always wants to get there. It's the same seed of thing. And what that means practically is you should understand human nature and you should see that the people who want to undermine parental rights, they want to commit a genocide against your children. They're the same people who are literally last week offering two pills to die to people who are depressed, Mm -hmm. to people who just don't have housing lined up. They'll kill you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a theoretical thing on top of abortion all of this stuff um like and the thing is conservatives keep thinking well if we find a compromise well if we find a compromise we find a middle ground it's like these this isn't even where this train wants to stop yeah you're acting like this train isn't moving you're acting like we're at the station and we're negotiating how many people get off yeah we're on this thing going 200 miles per hour over a cliff and it gets way worse before we get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what God says to Cain, right? Sin is crouching at the door at the door and its desire is for you. Yes. But you must rule over it. Um and ultimately the way that we come to rule over it is is only through Christ. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh we are just going to be devoured by that beast. That's always the way it's going to go. Yeah. And all all Christless conservatives do is try to appease the beast. Yes. That's all she did. Yesterday it was, here, give the wolf some meat. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't make it not want to eat you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and the I told you while we're off air, the, 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 the huge folly of this thinking. So even if you're trying to make a pragmatic case for this, I hope the stupidity of this is apparent because the only reason Danielle Smith said all those stupid lies about trans ideology and those dumb concessions was to appease the kind of person who the next day wanted her head. So you're trying to be the middle ground, trying to find some common ground with these people on top of being immoral is foolish. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. What you should have done is stood up and say, trans ideology is a lie, and the kind of adults who actually mutilate kids will be criminally prosecuted 
as child abusers to the full extent of the law. That's that's a good announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, teachers who have conversations about sex with children will be charged criminally. You know, uh, parents have a right to raise their children, and the state does not have authority to like. Those are the things you should have said. Mm-hmm. Now the the psychos are still going to come at you, uh, but I you know what I would even say. I would say their arrows would have even less penetrating ability if you were just if you just told the whole truth. Yeah, because then you draw the line. You say no. I think that you're a butcher. I don't think that you're a specialized doctor. I think you're a butcher. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get into the the shrouded language, right? When nothing is actually clear, um, morally muted language to obscure what is evil mm-hmm. that all these people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think pra- where I'm going with this practically is like, <clears throat> I just felt for myself listening to that, that we need a, we need a Christian voice. Not a voice of Christians who keep telling these people to go a little bit more right and and don't go as far left. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to, Christians have to get in the game. Like Christians have to, someone has to stand up and just say, this is wrong. Like if you don't stand up when they're mutilating children, when they're threatening taking children away from parents, like at what point do you stand up mm-hmm. when they're murdering the elderly? Like, at what point does someone just stay, stand up and stop clapping like a seal for Polyev stats mm-hmm. and just say, well, where's the right place to be? And let's stand there and not give an inch. Yeah. The, um, the, the thing that's been going through my head as we've been talking about this is that scene in uh, The Silver Chair uh, when the, oh, is it, I think it's, it's Eustace, Jill, and Puddleglum and they're in that room with the witch at the end, and she's got this fire going, and she's got something in the fire that's creating this sort of haze, and everybody's beginning to, their mind is being, she's playing with their mind, and uh, she turns into a serpent at that point. She reveals who she actually is, um, and everyone's totally under her spell at that point, and they can't resist anymore. But it's Puddleglum who finally pulls himself together, and he goes up and he stomps on the fire, and that breaks the illusion. It breaks the spell, the enchantment. And uh, that's the kind of moment that we're in as Christians, and that's the, the, the kind of courage that's needed and the kind of boldness that's needed right now is to be the one who actually st- walks up and stomps on the fire, yes. right? who actually is willing to speak the truth and be unapologetic about it and not qualify it to death, but actually just uh, be cut out of a conviction that Christ is the king of this world— um, this is this is the truth, and I'm mm. willing to stand upon it. So what are we going to do, man? <laughs> That's where I've just left it. All this, I'm like, yeah. What? What are like? What are we going to do? Go to church. Yeah, go to church. We're going to keep doing that stuff. Yeah. It's it's just. Anyways. There's no hope and no future and only misery at best delayed in a Christless conservatism. Yeah. It is a contradiction of terms. Uh, It is completely vain. 
it is the same kind of disease that just hasn't progressed as far. And look, if there are cons conservatives with principles, because I do know some people get it, uh, they need to actually just stand on them. And I know, I know y'all listen to the Dominion podcast. I know you're going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, we got to, we got to plot, we got to scheme something. Yeah. Maybe but, off air. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of it's in the workplace too, though, right? It's like, we were talking about like wh where is the place that you spend the majority of your time? Like it, it God has ordained that that we work, yeah, um, six days, and he has it, it, like that's on purpose, right? That you you spend the majority of your time and your energy busy with uh, the work of the work of your hands, and so if that's the case, it's like what are the little compromises that you make every day in that area? And then when you go home each evening to your family, it's like, what are the little compromises that you make there? Start, you know, start weeding the garden, right? Go to church, don't tell lies, and and start weeding the garden and start planting. Um, it's not it's not glamorous and it's not flashy, but like it's a it's a starting it's a starting place. Yeah, and confess our sins too. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and probably there's a str the strategy is different for diff like everyone has a different role in it. Mm -hmm. So not every Christian is going to go into politics or, and I don't even know if like joining a party is the answer. When I say politics, I'm more just being publicly speaking. Yes. Like there needs to be a voice that stands like a prophet, you know, when the people are corrupt, when the King is corrupt, when the priests are corrupt, when everyone is corrupt, someone gets up and raises hell. Mm-hmm. And like that, we're just well past that point, and we're well past the point of, um, you know, civility. And it's like, look, when you mutilate kids, you're not acting civilized. You can do it with hushed tones and virtue signaling, but you're a barbarian, mm -hmm. right? And there needs to be there needs to be a prophetic resurgence, and not one that is behind the walls of churches on Sunday just to people who all agree on this. Mm -hmm. There needs to be, and we need to pray for, a public prophetic voice. Mm -hmm. And probably the best place for that is not in politics, but speaking to politicians. Mm -hmm. So God help us and, you know, God of mercy on us. And, and this is just revealing everything you began by saying our stupid cisterns and our dumb walls. Yeah. I've only been the they are a prison. Yes. They are a prison that has enslaved us. Yeah. They have not protected us at all. Mm -hmm. Um well if you want to direct your angry comments to Jacob <laughs> Leeming this week. And then I'll redirect them to Jer Jeremy Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh what are you reading recently? Well, we got our conference coming up yes. in less than a week now. Uh, which uh, I got to say, kind of when that dawned on me yesterday, uh, freaked me out a little bit because <laughs> I'm going to be trying to give some sort of a biographical sketch of the life of King Alfred. So really stoked for that. Yeah. So I got to I got to keep cracking away at that. So I've been reading lots of um, really old, obscure sort of uh, books on on King Alfred. Nice. Trying to just saturate my mind with that. Who was his biographer again? Asser. Yeah. 
It was a, Wel- a Welsh monk that uh, was brought to the court of Alfred following his war with, with the Danes when, uh, the, when they were looking around at how do we start rebuilding, uh, rebuilding England. Asser was one of the guys that was brought in to be a scholar and a translator and a teacher and, and all that. So, Do you know that Trinity... I bet, I mean, Jacob obviously knows a lot about Alfred too because their school yes. is King Alfred. King Alfred Academy. And their publishing company is Asser Press. I saw that. I'm uh... <laughs> Literally until I saw that, I was like, that is not a catchy name. No. <laughs> and who is that? Which just betrayed my own ignorance, right? Yeah. Jacob's always ahead of the curve. He is. He, he is. He's like, he's... I'm realizing this. Like, there's been several points, even before COVID, I had conversations with them. I'm like, I don't know. And I look back and say, like, oh, no, he was <laughs> he was way ahead on this one. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you get when your mind is saturated in scripture. And Yes. Yeah, he's just, he's just a wise guy. Yeah. We're looking forward to having him, too. Mm-hmm. What, are, uh, what are you reading these days? You know what I started reading is um, Small Farm Republic. And I forget the author's name, but it's a book that is um, informative and terrifying. Right. And I don't know how to verify these things, but his basic thesis seems to be um, we need to make a a huge pivot and go back to small farms. Mm. And for the sake of food sources, because our food sources are actually very precarious in a globalized system um, for environmental protection. And then a lot of cultural issues that go along with it as well, like mm-hmm. um, family and local culture and this type of thing. I'm just getting into it, but it's been, it's yeah, it's been helpful mm-hmm. and uh, kind of a nice change of pace from a lot of my theological reading. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, this was a good conversation. Yeah. Enjoyed enjoyed filling some big shoes tonight. Yeah, you did a good job, man. <laughs> well, the people will uh, will be the judge ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll leave you with our little send off here. I'll try not to mess it up. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Thanks for listening to the Dominion Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>